Continuing our discussion from Chaitanya Charitamrita, we're reading from this book in the morning, philosophical sections, and then in the evenings, the narrative, the Leela section. And we've begun in the beginning of that, in the middle of the seventh chapter, where Mahaprabhu's visit through, to and through Banaras and his return are described. This is a bit of uh, out of place in the sense that the, the narrative of Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance and all doesn't begin until later in the 13th chapter. We're in the 7th chapter. So as I've explained, um, he has gone in quite a bit of depth of Gaudiya philosophy and theology in his Mongol Charn in his explanation of the Mongol Charn verses that are 14 in number. That explanation covered the first seven and quarter chapters. And what has not been dealt with there is the dominant philosophy of the time that is so opposed to bhakti, and that is the Advaita Vedanta, described in the Puranas as Mayavad, doctrine of Maya. And uh, so this particular narrative of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Banaris, which is the seat of the Mayavadis, and so forth, um, deals with that. He didn't deal with it himself personally when he arrived there and stayed there in the, uh, at the, in the facilities provided by Chandrasekhar and Tapan Mishra, who by his own arrangement were sent there. Unbeknownst to them as why Tapan Mishra directly and Chandrasekhar unknowingly altogether, but by the by the omniscience of Mahaprabhu orchestrating his own movement of his devotees and so forth, Chandrasekhar found himself there, and the two, Chandrasekhar and Tapanvisha, had the camaraderie, being, as it's described, the only devotees in in, in Kashi, in, in, in Benares. Hmm? Both the old names, Barnasi and Kashi, are used here in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And um, so he took shelter of them, he... He, he 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 gave blessing to Tapanvisha's son, who became the great Raghunath Bhattabhasami, but he ignored the Mayavadis, who were criticizing him for his Sankirtan. And rather than deal with them, he went on to Vrindavan, which, he was, which is where he was headed. And on returning back from Vrindavan, he again stopped in Varanasi and stayed with his devotees there. And at this point in time, as we'll hear tonight, he does interact with them. And so in the context of this narrative, then Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami uh, explores the shortcomings of the Mayabad philosophy from a Shastric point of view. You have to understand that the standard of knowledge at the time amongst educated people was the revelation amongst the six darshans or schools of thought prominent philosophies of the time, the yoga philosophy, tied as it is to, to the um, Sankhya philosophy, Vaisheshika and Nayaka philosophies um, that have something in common, and the, the Karma, Miyams, and Vedanta, which have something in common. These six, these two pairs, hmm, they were the dominant thought of the time in Bharat, in India. And all of them relied, to some extent, on the sacred books of the East, as we might call them now. Hmm? 
the Upanishads, uh, the Puranas, and so forth. To one extent or another, they accepted them as a standard of knowledge. Hmm? Um, and of course, that's not the standard uh, today, as we know. Um, so, anyway, the arguments here are all based on that standard of knowledge, and that standard of knowledge has uh, some... There's a good reasoning for that being a a viable standard of knowledge. Of course, the idea is that the senses, empiricism, would be, in, in, in the strictest sense of the term, if I see it, I believe it. If it... If it if it if it can be observed and experienced by my senses, it's real, and then induction is included in that uh, to that I conclude that if I, if I if I it's true in Chicago, it must be true in Montreal, uh, not necessarily. So there's a problem with that, obviously, and there's a problem with uh, with empiricism in the strictest sense of the term, sensationist empiricism, as it might be called in that, um, well, it really is faulty, hmm? which is a, a basic point of the uh, of Jiva Goswami, for example, and, and all, all Vedantins. For example, the very idea that there are objects out there that we perceive, like the floor, like the house, and so forth, which our senses tell us is, now we learn from the scientific community that's not true. Hmm. Problem. <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, we won't go into it at, at, at length, but the arguments here are from a scriptural point of view, and this was the standard analogy, and the principle here is, of course, that by revelation, hmm, there's the prospect of knowing that which you could not know by sense perception and inductive uh, reasoning, hmm? and I think that's a strong argument. Hmm? Um, what constitutes revelation? Then you know that's another discussion. But the, the revelation of the East is the Upanishads, and and there are things that are taught there that we we wouldn't know about hmm? simply by observation. By observation, you don't know there's an atma. You might feel it, think it, but example, to sort it out and to have a methodology by which you could experience it, and so forth. Um, you need some help from those who have and who have gotten help to do that, and so forth. So, as I often say, for arriving at perfect knowledge, we need a perfect method. And the perfect method is from up to down. If that if reality reveals itself to us, we can know it, which says that... Starts with the, begins with the premise that reality is alive, like we are. So, uh, at any rate, this is where we are in the narrative, and Mahaprabhu has met with Sanatana Goswami now, who has come to Banaras on his way to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whom he heard was in Vrindavan, escaped from prison, he arrived there. Mahaprabhu is schooling him in the Bhagavat and other related texts. Hmm? And what happens? Iti madde chandashekhar tapan mishrutapan duki hang prabhu pai koilini vedan. So, in the meantime, while Mahaprabhu is schooling 
uh, Sanatana and it's went for a couple of months. This schooling is related through the pen of Krishna's Kaviraj later in the Madhya Lila towards the end in two or three chapters. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the Sanatana Siksha. The Siksha of Mahaprabhu Sanatana is one of the core kind of philosophical sections that's it's it's kind of information based. Uh, it doesn't go into a lot of the depth of the implications, but lists these are the different types of avatars with the jivas, as a mayas, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's it's an important section at any rate. So in the meantime, in the midst of this, iti madde, in the middle of this, chandashekar tapan han. They became very unhappy. Why were they unhappy? Prabhupai koil nivedan. So in their unhappiness, they made nivedan to Mahaprabhu. They submitted to him, made appeal to him, as we'll see. They're not unhappy that Mahaprabhu is teaching Sanatana Goswami, but they're unhappy with the state of affairs in Banaras that Mahaprabhu has been ignoring that's intolerable for them. Kateka shuniba Prabhu tomar nindan. They, and this is what they say. How much, how much longer can we listen hmm, to O Prabhu, Mahaprabhu, hmm, O Lord, to this, uh, your blasphemy, Tomar Nindan? Which is Mahaprabhu's caught the attention to his just his presence there and his ignoring the sannyasis. He does sankirtan, goes in his public in the way to the Ganges to bathe, and he's chanting and dancing in ecstasy. That's how Tapanisha saw him and recognized it. That must be uh, Nimai Pandit. I heard that he took sannyas. I'd met him in East Bengal. He told me to go to Banaras. Here he is. So the sannyasis were aware of his presence and they were aware of his sankirtan and mostly they were aware that he was ignoring them. This was Mahaprabhu's way of teaching, ignore them. Then they just became more and more interested in him. And so in their interest in him, unfortunately, they would, they would, they would criticize him. He was very, um, he was an ecstatic. You could say he's a sentimentalist singing, dancing, this is not the way of Vedanta, or the, 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 the proper conduct for a sannyasi who should sit, study the Vedanta, and so forth. But in a way, of course, the sannyasis knew he's aloof from us. He's, he's content in himself. He's an ecstatic, actually. He's a bauka. Hmm? He, 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 we are dry <laughs> by comparison. Hmm? There, so when you when you don't, you, there's a, we sometimes criticize people to make ourselves feel better about our own position. Hmm? We study the Vedanta. We're real sannyasis. Meanwhile, Mahaprabhu's ecstasy is something that's really hard to dismiss. You can call it sentimentalism, hmm? but the fact is, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Nimai Pandit took sannyas, Nimai Pandit took sannyas. This is the echo that rippled throughout the subcontinent of India. Hmm? 
Chandra Tapamija had heard it. Prakashananda Saraswati, the leader of the Sannyasi, they had heard it also. Mimai Pandit was a famous person in Nadia. He had defeated Keshav Kashmiri there, big learned pundit. He had gone to, 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 to Puri and converted Sarvabhum Bhattacharya, the greatest logician of the time, the king, Pratapurudra Maharaj. Hmm? He had gone to South India and, and made converts there and so forth. So this news from Bengal that this, uh, and only at 24, 25, 26 years old, he's doing this. And big, like I mentioned last night, big stalwart sannyasis, Brahmananda Bharati, Keshava Puri, uh, Keshava Bharati, hmm, Paramananda Puri, there were nine of them, I believe. The metaphorical roots to the figurative tree of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who the branches of whom were his devotees and the fruits of the love of God and so forth. So it was rooted, the point being, the root of the Sankirtan of Mahaprabhu and his, his, his whole method to his madness is rooted in renunciation. He taught it as a sannyasi, systematically. Hmm? And he took sannyas for the purpose, similar to what I'm saying, what I said last night about Sanatan. And the six Goswamis, they set a standard of renunciation that would frighten the Mayavadis, who were the standard of renunciation, hmm? to demonstrate that they didn't have to do that. Hmm? But they did that in one sense, automatically by forgetting to eat and sleep, but also in a, somewhat in a conscious way, they set a standard of renunciation to demonstrate that meditating on Radha Krishna hmm, causes renunciation from the world. Hmm? Therefore, Radha and Krishna's affairs are not mundane. Not only are they not mundane in a licentious, uh, immoral sense, neither are they mundane in a philosophical sense like being a manifestation of the sattva guna, hmm? like the Mayavadis thought. Hmm? That was temporary in a provisional, you meditate on this, and then you transcend. And, hmm? No. Um, and the Gaudi idea is that you cannot meditate on something material and attain a spiritual result. Hmm? So because the pastimes of Radha and Krishna are spiritual, therefore they have spiritual efficacy with regards to their slavific effect, their ability to save one from, from samsara, to deliver one. Hmm? And uh, so the Goswamis, they set this standard of renunciation Mahaprabhu pointed them out also to other devotees of his, but he himself took sannyas for the purpose of teaching systematically because sannyasis were given respect and then renunciation is respected as a evidence of transcendence. It's very practical. Pragmatic, practical result. He or she, the renunciate, is not partaking of the world hmm, in the ways that ordinary people are for their sense of livelihood, fulfillment, and so on and so forth. Hmm. Um, so the common people would take note of such persons. And Mahaprabhu frightened even these older sannyasis who are the roots, the figurative roots of the figurative tree of love of God that he uh, is compared to in Chaitanya Charitamrita, only at 25 years old. Hmm. And so, you don't think that Prakashananda and the Mayavadis at Banaras hadn't heard of Nimai Pandit, 
had taken sannyas. So they knew he had knowledge. The term, the Nimai Pandit Pandit, is a title given to the to a knowledgeable person. It's not given to usually to a 24-year-old boy. But Nimai Pandit took the knowledge and played with it like, like, like we said the stuff when we were kids called Play-Doh, and you could make make an animal out of it, turn it, make it a house, make it something else. So he just like like this played with knowledge, and he would he would characteristically give an argument, defeat the teacher and all the students, and refute every objection on their part, and then go back and defeat his own argument, take it back to the original one that he defeated, and so forth. He was famous for this. Um, but we see at the same time when he became a sannyasi and began to teach he tended to teach differently not so much by philosophical discourse or there will be some here but more so by by his character hmm? and in the case of Sarvabhuma by his silence in the case of Venkatabhata in South India by his joking in case of Prakashananda by ignoring him and as we see by showing humility and some Aishvarya also. But then also the, 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 the teaching will come out as Prakashananda inquires. But the point here is that they knew Nimai Pandit was an extraordinary person and he'd taken sannyasa. They criticized him. He's singing and dancing like a sentimental person. But they knew he's got something. Something's going on there. It doesn't correspond with our perspective, but there's something going on there. And so we criticize him. We feel better about what we're doing. Hmm? He had the power to tip the whole scale of Baranasi. Hmm? And, and I, don't know how, I don't remember how well it comes out in this chapter, but in, later in Madhulila, it comes out, uh, as in Krishnadasa's perspective, the whole of Baranasi was drowned hmm? in the Ganges of Prem, coming from the tears of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the ecstasy of his Sankirtan. Hmm? So they were threatened, if you will, their spiritual standing was threatened. Prakashananda had a bunch of disciples, a lot of them. And his standing in relation to them was being threatened. So criticized Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this was becoming very painful on the ears of Chandrasekhar and Tapamishra. So Mahaprabhu was just ignoring them and teaching Sanatana Goswami his, his, uh, his, his, his doctrine. And they come and and they go to town, they shop for Boga to bring, to cook for Mahaprabhu, and, so, and then they hear this kind of talk. Mm-hmm. After all, they're hosting him. Mm-hmm. And so they, they couldn't tolerate So they come to Mahaprabhu, and how long we have to listen to this, please, we submit to you. This is very painful for us to hear offenses um, spoken of, uh, offenses towards you, Tomandana. Mm-hmm. This is... Uh, this is a very nice uh, sentiment. Tomar nindaye jata sanyasi rgaan sunite na pori bhatte hridaye shravan. The Mayabadi sanyasis are criticizing you, Your Holiness. We cannot tolerate this. Hearing such criticism is, we cannot tolerate. For this blasphemy, he says that. Sunite na pori. We cannot listen to this anymore. Hmm? Hate hridai shravan. Hearing this is hate hridai. It's breaking our heart. Hmm? You see how much 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an object of their love and affection. Hmm? If the object of our love and affection is criticized in a public forum as Mahaprabhu was criticized here, hmm? Chandrasekhar didn't put a like on Facebook. Hmm? This is not his... Tapamishra didn't respond like that. <laughs> no. no, they could not tolerate that. Hmm? You know, no youth have to think. If your mother was criticized on Facebook, and you, you loved her, your father, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your son, your daughter, hmm? Hmm? how would the people react if someone had made a big criticism and, you, and it was false and you knew that? Hmm? You wouldn't say, oh, we love you anyway, we know, you know. No, they didn't react like this. They became very disturbed. Hmm? Vaishnava himself may not be disturbed. Hmm? Mahaprabhu understood the situation. He was above it and so forth. And he'll deal with it also for the sake of his devotees and for the sake of the sannyasis. But in their deliverance. But you can imagine he appreciated the appropriate behavior on the part of his devotees. Hmm? If we hear vilification of ourselves, we'll try to find something in there, some truth in there. Hmm? And if we can't find any truth in it at all, we'll think, well, at least I've learned how not to be. Hmm? What, a, what a good example this is of how not to be. We take the example of Ramchandra Puri. Ramchandra Puri found fault in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in Jagannath Puri. Hmm? He was quite a fault finder. He fault, found fault in his guru, um, Madhavendra Puri. And so he had a, some, was developed a samskar for it, a, a, a tendency for it. So in the case of Mahaprabhu, he found fault in him. Hmm? Everybody's praising, loving Mahaprabhu. And they said, who was with this Mahaprabhu? Mr. Krishna Chaitanya, it's a big sannyasi, but yeah. I was, excuse me, over there, near the Gambira, where he's staying the other day, and I saw some ants crawling on the ground. Obviously, he's eating sweets, you know, and indulging himself privately inside there. Hmm? Private, it's a private room, you know. He's got a private, who knows what goes on in there. Obviously, he's overeating and hoarding sweets from, from the market or something like that. Why, why would there be ants there? <laughs> so the story is told to, to make the point, ants are everywhere. You know? and, uh, and if you want to find fault, well, you can get support from the ants. Or you know, the, the environment will provide fault. It's if you got finding fault in your heart, then the environment will speak in such a way as to support it. Hmm? And this criticism in Puri of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, oh, the devotees could not tolerate it at all. Mahaprabhu said, hey, anyway, I'm learning from him. Hmm? Surely he, he means well, you know, and, he, and Mahaprabhu began to fast. Hmm? And now the devotees were so upset, Mahaprabhu was fasting on account of this person and so forth. But, so they found, they were angry. It said, you may offend the Vaishnava. He may not take offense. Hmm? He or she may be above it. But the dust of his lotus feet takes offense. That dust of the lotus feet is a way of speaking figuratively about the devotees who love that Vaishnava, in this case Mahaprabhu, are attached to him. They don't tolerate that. They don't like that. Hmm? And so you might say, well, you say I've offended him. He doesn't seem to take offense. 
Hmm? But actually, offense is, is is made. This is not a. This is not a. Uh, I think Vishwanath Chakri Thakur makes the comment. Well, because the, the the Vaishnav doesn't take offense, I guess you know. Why are you guys uptight? Hmm? I didn't make an offense. Hmm? No, the fact that the devotees of that devotee are upset, hmm? if for good reason and so forth, hmm? then indicates offense has been made and there will be implications. And uh, and so, while the devotee himself may not take offense, you know, we had the example of Pujapachita Marsh. I mean, we have the historical record. It's 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 recorded and written, and it's not a pretty one. Conversations between Sridhar Marsh and some of my godbrothers, and they clearly clearly offended him and dealt with him in ways that are inappropriate and he was he was uh, visibly for those who were there and you can read it and feel it in his response he was uh, Swami Maharaj never dealt with me like this I'm not accustomed I have to withdraw um, which, which was his tendency um, he didn't take offense in one sense but we 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 did and they said uh, we didn't take offense hmm. why are you upset hmm. we have good had good reason hmm. it's an unfortunate uh, event in modern Gaudiya Vaishnav history and we see it has ramifications that are very far reaching to offend somebody of that uh, stature hmm is can wreak havoc. At one point he said, I fear for the future of, of, of those devotees. Hmm? Their, 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 their sect is cracked at the foundation. Hmm? And we'll become an Apasampadaya, something like that. This was his vision. And the happy thing. He wasn't happy about that. But... Uh, he reacted it that way at some point. And he reacted at, really he said that, not about himself, but about the way in which devotees like Brahma and others um, were close to him, Brahma's here tonight, um, were being treated by them. He took offense. He thought that, that, that you're offending your godbrothers and, and, and trampling on their faith. In such a way that I, that I feel, I fear for the future of the group. Hmm. So, there's a real thing. Vaishnava Parada is a real thing, and um, and here it comes up in the narrative, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Banaras. So, there's this petition on the part of Tapan Mishra Chandrasekhar, and their hearts are broken. Hmm. Now, Prabhupada, and rightfully so, characterizes them in his commentary as Kanishtadikaris. Hmm. Because of the way in which they dealt with the situation, in other words, if one is in the Kanishtadikari is described, defined by Rupa Goswami, and all the levels of adhikar of eligibility, the the the, the, the novice, uh, the intermediate, and the superlative, um, all are 
determined by faith and that faith in relation to the scriptural argument, which again is revelation that we place our faith in, that we can, there are things that we can know from revelation that we could not know from observation and, and reasoning. And along with that, there are ways by which having known, known about knowing those things theoretically with faith, we can engage in by which we can experience them. This is the idea. So faith means Shastriya Shraddha. Faith in the argument coming from revelation. Faith in that perspective on life that, that you're not the body that the physical world is not all there is. You see, this perspective will really change if you embrace it, how you live your life and how you interpret everything. Hmm? Um, we'll get into that a little bit, I think. But, but here the point is that their faith was such that it was not very well tempered hmm, by the scriptural argument. Therefore, they did not feel competent, strong, to refute the objections of the sannyasis and their criticism. So the point being that if one is a stronger devotee, faith is strong, and that strength by having heard the scriptural argument, then they can give a rebuttal. So there's a standard of behavior in relation to such Events, if you should be present, unfortunately, in the blasphemy, the vilification of a sadhu, that you can defeat them. Hmm? Um, or you can um, give up your life on the spot. Or if you can't do that, you can walk away from it. Hmm? So in Rupa Goswami's description of the Kanishta Madhyam Uttam, he describes the Kanishta as faith is weak. They don't have real strong understanding of the scripture to strengthen it intellectually and harmonize the head and the heart. Um, the medium devotee has strong faith but doesn't have the, either the wherewithal to present the scriptures in all instances to retire the opposition. And the superlative devotee is Shastra Nipun. Hmm? Shastra Yukti has that ability. Hmm? Um, so, superlative devotee will defeat him. The inverted devotee has strong faith; he'll just take his life. Hmm? And this, then, then the neophyte will walk away from the situation. Hmm? Other places, it is said, the intermediate one will cut out the tongue of the blasphemer. Hmm? So, now this cutting out of the tongue, <laughs> or this taking of one's own life will seem like a very out-of-balance idea hmm, in the modern society. We don't recommend it. Hmm. But it's important, I think, also to emphasize that uh, this comes from a certain perspective. And many of the things we hear in the, in the Mahabharata, for example, the stories and the ways that the devotees thought about themselves and conducted themselves that sound like might be unhealthy from a modern point of view, from a point of view of balance, or I saw a thing the other day on celibacy, and and it was a, a clip, and it was how how bad it was. Hmm? And it was advocating just let it go, when, you know, whenever you feel like it, and go for it, and you know that's 
healthy in all these ways, and this is what these are the scientific facts. And and uh, and with yourself, you can just experiment, see what you like, anyway, and you can jump on the whole thing. You know, it was I mean, it was really pretty bizarre <laughs> from my point of view, but it was it was it, to me it very was, it was shocking uh, 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 and typifying a modern perspective, which all the facts, excuse me, if you will. <laughs> "Quote unquote," that are presented based on scientific observation, if you will, which has its limits, uh, whether it be with the senses or the extension of the senses with instruments and the reasoning about them and so forth. All of this stuff sounds good and it works on some level in a pragmatic way, but it, it's full of gaps. Instead of putting God in the gaps, which is a popular term that uh, that. Uh, some in the scientific community object to, they put chance in the gap. Hmm? Or they put arguably, hmm? this is the fact. Hmm? So, yeah, you can argue based on facts, but there's a huge, as I say, the explanatory gap for physicalism. Hmm? It's as big as the Grand Canyon. It's as big as the Atlantic Ocean. Hmm? It's like the distance from here to Mars. Hmm? Um, but, because, in a pragmatic sense, from one perspective, we gain things through that method of knowing that seem to be progressive. And that's, a, that's another myth of the progress from modern science. Well, hey, people are living longer. Must be better. Hmm? But there are people who didn't live very long who left imprint on the world that will never go away. Mahaprabhu lived for 48 years. How old was the, was the Jesus? Shankar lived to be 32, I think. Hmm? Hmm. They left a huge... The Buddha he wasn't an old guy. Hmm? Um, so there are many saintly persons, for example, um, who lived a certain quality of life. There wasn't necessarily a long life that have contributed considerably. So, you know, just living long unto itself doesn't necessarily mean very much. Hmm? It sounds good if you think you're the body, and yeah, the whole meaning of life is to keep this body going and healthy so that you can enjoy the senses and be comfortable and, and, and whatnot. So if this is your perspective, which is like the perspective of flatland, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, physicalism is like, Really, it's just a glorified way of saying the earth is flat. There's no imagination there. Hmm? There's no imagination. Hmm? And, 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 and there's, no, there's no, no, no evidence to support it, really. It's, it's a total conjecture. It's a huge myth. Hmm? That the whole subjective component of life it really does really doesn't exist as it's really just a brain. All there is is physical. So we call it you know scientific materialism, if you will. This is a very narrow, narrow idea of life, and the cosmological viewpoint that comes from this is is you have to understand it's all coming from a certain perspective, and that perspective is being promoted. Over and over and over and over again. You're the body. You're the body. That's what life's about. Enjoy the body. 
You be, be healthy, be happy, and love people, people, other bodies. Hmm? Uh, you know, and so I mean, that's a good thing to do, and so forth. But what is the body? You know, well, that you are. You are the body. Hmm? You don't even have a mind. You're, you're you're just a brain. You're a machine. Then you, then then it starts breaking down. I'm a machine, and I'm supposed to love and and so forth. <laughs> But it's it's just a certain perspective that if you look at it, you think like Prabhupada would say, well, you know, dogs running on four legs and barking, or her, right? And guys riding in five. This is the fifties, in on four wheels and blowing his horn, you know. Hey, baby, you know, what what's the difference? Hmm? It's a little crude, but it's, it gets to the heart of the idea of the myth. Progress. Hmm? Is there progress in understanding the meaning, the purpose of life, hmm? the subjective component of life? Are we just going to reduce it to being matter and say that it doesn't even exist? Everything's physical. This is a very um, unhappy idea, and there isn't sufficient evidence to support it. But based on this, subtly, the world is going on, and the values of the, and then they dismiss the values of. The scripture, and somebody wants to ready to take their life because a Vaishnava's been killed. Like, oh, we're not reading that book anymore. Holy cow, that's like really weird. See how crazy these people were. Hmm? But what were their values? Hmm? What did they think was a Vaishnava? Akshnofalam tadrisha darshanam hi, tanofalam tadrisha kattasanga jiva falam tadrisha. This Mahaprabhu said to Sanatana when he saw him, to see him is the perfection of the eyes, to touch him is the perfection of association, to, to glorify him is the perfection of the tongue. That person, Bhagavata, Vaishnava, very rare to find in this world. Hmm? Very rare to find such a person who even knows what Mahaprabhu is teaching accurately, the Siddhanta. Very rare to find. I had to speak with somebody who's deeply experienced in that, hmm? who, can, who can act. Mahaprabhu also said to Sanatan, but, uh, but he said, mm, what was it? Uh, verse, nice verse, Yudhisthira saying to Vidura, Bhavad Bidha Bhagavatas Tirta Bhuta Swayam Bibhu. You are, you are a place of pilgrimage. You are a tirtha. A tirtha means a place that's like a, like a, a crossing over, some kind of a, you know, spiritual Bermuda Triangle. You know, where you, you went in and whoop, you're gone. You've gone to another dimension. Hmm? A place like that that has the capacity to facilitate. Uh, the transportation of us to um, deeply within the subjective world proper and experience the physical world from that perspective and so forth. So he said, because Vidura wanted to go on pilgrimage and, and, and Yudhisthira appropriately was attached to him. The Bhagavatam says, that same attachment hmm, that you have for material things and people is the cause of bondage when transferred to a sadhu, becomes the cause of your liberation. Yudhisthira hmm? was attached to Vidura. Don't go. You stay here. Hmm? 
he was a sudra, and he was the and and Yudhisthira was the king. You stay here. I need your company. Why go on a place? Go to the tier, on Tirtha Yatra, visiting the holy places. You are a portal. You are a Tirtha. Hmm? Mahaprabhu said this to Sanatan. Hmm? So they valued these people, and they had a certain perspective on life. What is the body? Hmm? They thought a long life was was virtuous, but in and of itself, it didn't constitute. Uh, uh, a, a, a glorious life, and there are many lifetimes. This is one, you know, you're trying, modern society is trying, as I said before, to make a motion picture that's an Academy Award winner out of this one frame of the picture of our life that's made up of a whole reel of frames. Hmm? They're real. <laughs> hmm? Many lifetimes, after lifetime, after lifetime. This is our faith. Hmm? Right? And this is just one frame in a human dress, and the arguments are given. Just to help us give some idea. Well, practically, in many respects, you changed bodies already from embryonic body to an infant to an old man. And something carries through, obviously, too, but. Hmm? It means the world around you is changing, and you are able to observe the change, which indicates that you're separate from it. How experience that? Go within. This is what yoga is for. This is what spiritual practice sadhana is for. So it's a very you have to understand. We teach a very different idea hmm? on what the body is, what the mind is, what the self is, what this life is for, what what's valuable, what's important. Hmm? We're not in the Rajaguna just trying to make this body everything. Hmm? We want to be balanced, we want to be healthy, we want to be psychologically balanced for the purpose hmm? only of being that much more fit to pursue the spiritual practices. Therefore, the idea of dying in... uh, the spiritual culture, like we find here, it's different. It's not the end of the, it's not the end of the world. Hardly, hmm? it's not the worst thing that could happen to you. Hmm? It happens all the time, everywhere, and therefore, from that perspective, the place is called Martyrlokam. It's a place of death. Hmm? Just driving here, then everything things dying on your windshield. Hmm? You just you said. In Mahabharata, the most fascinating thing was, in his opinion, that everyone's dying. Hmm? And everyone acts as if it's not happening to me. Hmm? It's happening to everyone else. You read about it, you see, of course, you kind of, kind of hide it over there and bury it <laughs> and so forth. It's happening, but it's not happening to me. I go on with my life as it's not. It's not a morbid preoccupation. Hmm? Because... In the context of saying that you're you're dying, we're teaching, therefore, don't act in such a way that the death of the body is a problem. Hmm? Don't culture attachment only to the temporary, what's here today and gone tomorrow, because that's going to be a problem for you. Hmm? And you're not the body, you're not the mind, therefore you're not constrained by time and space, you're eternal. And here, practice this. 
get some experience that, that I'm eternal. So it's a very different perspective. I mean, this physicalism, materialism, this is, I, I tell you, this is like thinking the earth is flat. There's no difference. Hmm? It's that, like, limited of an idea. Hmm? But because from, with technology you take some scientific facts, then you, with technology you do something with them, to, and then you, the whole perspective is that you are the body and you interpret it, the facts in that way, and so forth, and you get some pragmatic results and you get this myth of progress. Everything's just getting better and better. Hmm? I mean, there are many arguments against that. It's obvious. And we're, 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 you know, who knows? We blow ourselves up at, 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 at any time. We, we may be gassing ourselves to death with carbon, what is it? Whatever. Emissions. Emissions, right. We're, we're, we're kind of farting ourselves to death here. We're indulging and there we go. And it's like, well, I don't know if I can stay here anymore. <laughs> it's getting pretty bad. So, uh, you know, this is... Uh, doesn't, it doesn't look like progress hmm? from, a, from a broader perspective. You know, and then, you know, you have this cosmological idea where, you, where the world comes from. And in a few words, it is from nothing, nothing exploded. Hmm? And then there was something. <laughs> I mean, that's the Big Bang, really. You can talk about it. It sounds ridiculous. It is. And, but, uh, but then you get these sub-theories within it. Hmm? The sub-theory makes a little sense, and here's another sub-theory that makes a little sense, and it seems to support the big theory. But the, 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 the simplicity of the big theory, the, the folly of it, is covered over by these sub-theories. Hmm? But in, in, in essence, it's saying there was nothing, and it exploded. Hmm? And here we are, as a result. Okay. So it's good sometimes to like make... Uh, undress these things, hmm? present them in their naked form, and then they sound as absurd to us and to Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami hmm? as the uh, the myths of his time. Let's hmm? say the world comes from a person. Hmm? There's intelligence behind the world. Hmm? Life, reality is alive, and we are part of that, and the whole can make itself known to the parts on its own terms, and this is revelation, and so forth. Hmm? Hmm. So here, anyway, a bit of an aside, but that, but the Tapanmishra Chandrasekhar, they didn't have the strength to defeat them, they didn't have the strength to take their lives, hmm. <laughs> yeah, but they submitted, they left the place, and they submitted to Mahaprabhu. Hmm? We cannot tolerate this. We cannot tolerate hearing this. Hmm? Our hearts are breaking to hear you criticized. Hmm? Now, this is uh, the feeling of the, they loved Mahaprabhu. They couldn't tolerate that. Hmm? Natural um, response. They're not... Uh, we refer to them as Kanishtadikaris. I think Prabhupada, in his purport here or somewhere else, refers to them in this way. Only because... Their activity in this regard typifies that and teaches us by its example. Obviously, they were eternal associates of Mahaprabhu with their acting in that way. Hmm? 
and this, this instance, and we learn from them. So we don't think, oh, Tapamishri, Sikrishtadikari, Chandrasekhar. No, they loved Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Their hearts were breaking to hear him vilified. Hmm? And Mahaprabhu, how did he respond? Ihasuni Rahi Prabhu, Isat Hosiya. Say Kalik Vipra Manila Asiya. Watapan Mizra and Waltapan Mizra and Chandrasekhar were uh, thus conversing. Mahaprabhu Sunia, Suni, Ihasuni Rahi, hearing this within himself, Pro Isat Hosiya, he is mild. Two reasons he smiled at them. They love me. Hmm? I like that. I mean, being they're endearing themselves to me. Hmm? Just see how appropriate behavior will will um, serve us when we act appropriately according to our adhikari. Even if we're kanishta adhikari, it's not a bad thing. Act accordingly, and it will call you progress. That's the point. They smile at them, and they also smile at oh, these people. Are criticizing they're, they're such fools. They don't know any better. They're, they're hmm? uh, and this way he remained silent. He smiled a little bit, hmm? appreciated their affection, and he remained silent. But sekali ek vipra milasya. At that time, sekali at that time one vipra, one brahman suddenly appeared there hmm? from the community. Asini Vedan Kore Chatanadoriya. So the Brahman he paid his respect to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to his feet. He made uh, obeisance, Nivedan Kore Chatanadoriya. And Ek Vastu Magan Deha Prasana Hoya. He made a request, and I asked one thing, he submitted to Mahaprabhu. Uh, with some hope and prasanna, some, some happiness in his heart, he said he wanted to ask him something. He said, Sakala sannyasi mui kainu ni mantran. To me, daddy, aisa puna hoi murman. My dear Lord, Prabhu, I have, I'm a Brahmin, so I invite the sannyasis, as is the custom, religious custom, the Banaris to my home. And my heart will be happy, and my desires will be fulfilled if you will accept my invitation to come to my house for lunch. Na jahasun nyashi goshti, iha amidjani, mole anugraha kar nimantran mani. My dear Lord, I know, he says, na jaha sanyasi goshti. I know you never associate with the other sannyasis. You're different. But you're a sannyasi. Hmm? You never associate with them. I know that. Iha amidjani. But nonetheless, anugraha karni mantran mani. Please be merciful and accept my invitation. The invocation is that I'm inviting these other sannyasis to my house for lunch and I want you to come too. I know you don't associate with them. Hmm? Still, if you would, this is my request. My heart will be very happy if you will come. 
he's not happy with all the other sannyasis who are quick to come. Hmm? But only if, if one sannyasi does not come, this Mahaprabhu, hmm? he's not satisfied. Hmm? So suddenly he's appeared on the scene. This has been caused by the omniscience of Mahaprabhu to resolve the situation. Hmm? His devotees are making a request. From in the heart of the Brahman, he caused him to come hmm? make this request. And the Brahman is feeling very happy in his heart. Hmm? He, somehow the thought came, why don't I invite this Sri Krishna Chaitanya? Yes, I should. That would be very nice. He's very charming, beautiful. If I could have him, indeed, he's thinking, if he, well, he alone would come, and none of the other sannyasis, my heart would be fulfilled, my, my desires would be fulfilled. This is how he's starting to feel. Mahaprabhu, very kind. Anugra, he showed his mercy hmm, to this Brahman. See how the request of the devotees hmm, on the part of Mahaprabhu is now causing Kripa, mercy, to go elsewhere. Hmm. They are the Kripa Shakti of Bhagwan. Prabhuhasi nimantran koila angikar. Sanyasir Kripa lagi e bangitangar. Mahaprabhu, smiling, hmm, Accepted invitation. Haribol. We should think like this. How this Brahman felt. My life will be successful. All of my desires in life will be fulfilled if you will just come and accept lunch at my house. And every day we get to cook for Mahaprabhu here. How lucky we are, we should think. He comes in his archivigraha. Hmm? And every day he lets us cook for him. He's very merciful because he comes in a form and makes himself available to us so readily at a time when we hardly have any appreciation. A little bit, learn a little something. Hmm? Hmm? It was said, it is said in Chaitanya Bhagavat that Mahaprabhu said that who does not chant at one lakh of Hare Krishna Mahamantra, 64 rounds on his bead, I will not take lunch, I will not eat from his hand. Mahaprabhu hmm? said, uh, you, you, only, you have to be the real devotee of Krishna for me to eat from your hand. Because hmm? I will only eat the remnants coming from Krishna, something like this. So, and he, so but see how merciful the Archivigraha, this form of the deity is, coming from the heart of that the, the the guru manifesting externally opportunity to worship comes to us still we don't have full appreciation we're late we do it haphazardly but if we don't do it and we understand what's being said here how this Brahma felt and we cook like this then Mahaprabhu say could you add a little more salt did you make any pickle then we know I'm making progress <laughs> Hmm? It's all it's all on our side. Mahaprabhu's come. Hmm? The only reason he looks like he's just staying in one place is because we're still enamored by, attached to, attracted to the still things of the world, the things of the world. We're still identified to some extent with the things of the world, which is which takes the life out of ourselves, which is we're not things. Hmm? Therefore, the God looks like a thing also, hmm? another object. 
No. And so many wonderful, wonderful um, reports are there from the devotees in their service of the Archivigraha, the mysteries of the, of the deity worship, such a the realm of ritual to enter there and get reciprocation from the deity. Hmm. So many stories from this, accounts, first-hand accounts from the devotees. So we, we have that opportunity. Hmm. Just once cooking in this, in this mood, all your desires will be fulfilled. Mahaprabhu hmm. will look at you. Hmm. Yeah. Especially those little deities. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mahaprabhu accepted the invitation. Sanyasi Kripalogi e Bongitohar. In this way, you fulfill the Brahmin's aspiration, and now he's going to proceed to show his mercy to the, to the offenders. To the Mayabadi Sanyasi. Sevi Prajaner Prabhu. So the Brahmin, he knew that Mahaprabhu never went to anyone else's house. He invited him anyway for the inspiration of the Lord, as we've described. And he earnestly requested that Mahaprabhu accept the invitation. Ardine Gela Prabhu Sevi Prabhavani. Dikilain Basiachin Sanya Sirgone. So Adine Gila. The next day he went, Prabhu went, Savi Prabhavane, to the Bhavana, to the house of the Vipra, of the Brahman. Dekilen. Basiachin. Sanyasira Gone. He saw the Sanyasir Gone, the group of the Sanyasis seated on an in an elevated seats there in the house hmm? and what did he do? We'll hear that in our next discussion. Srimad Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Any question? Yes. It's striking when you were talking how the way Mahaprabhu is treating the um, Mayavadi Sinhasis is similar to the way um, Acted when he um, was going through Maya, and so I was wondering if we can think of his story also as a way as instructive as to how we should approach Maya and also the mind, which seems like it you know correlates with the. What do you mean when he was going through Maya? When he was like exiting the material world, like he. Right. So Maya with all the different eightfold coverings offered. And he was, yeah. Well, that's more of an example of, of the ignoring of the, of the, the appeal of the world, hmm. the call of the wild, if you will, the jiva maya, the, the glare. Hmm. We have the guna maya that maya is constituted of, the, the matter, and then it's, then it's, the, the, it's packaging, right? It attracts us. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's something to be said for ignoring it 
it'll go away, so to speak. So, uh, out of sight, out of mind is an English adage sometimes we invoke as well. Um, so that's an example of ignoring the kind of the call of the wild based on insight and experience and, and even though it may be strong, foregoing it. <clears throat> Rather than an example of ignoring uh, another philosophy, and this is a spiritual philosophy of the Mayavadins that, that, that doesn't hold up in terms of the, uh, the, the, the sacred texts, the idea that there is no jiva, the jiva is one with Brahman, there is no maya, there isn't, it's a purely uh, idealist, kind of an idealistic monism. If you will. Anyway, there is no matter, there's no maya shakti, there's no, there, ultimately there's no, there's no jiva. Jiva is one with Brahman. God has no form, no leelas, uh, ultimately. So here, Mahabharata was ignoring that, rejecting that. Um, um, you know, you could say it's it's part of Maya. We call it the Mayavad, because it's a do- doctrine of Maya. It's a doctrine of Maya because it's thought that Brahman is the only thing, but there's a superimposition, whatever that is, on Brahman that's Maya, and that's where their philosophy gets kind of, what? Uh, um, so, adopt the doctrine of Maya. So I wouldn't quite look at it like that, but then again, from the point of view that it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a parts of it that are appealing and so forth, and, uh, and uh, when, when, when Gopukumar was being through Maya, and then Brahman was merging with Brahman, was a prospect. Merge with me, and felt themselves pulled and pulled back. I would more compare it to that, perhaps. Hmm? And then what were you saying about the mind? And sometimes you say at a certain point the mind can be ignored. Yeah. Yeah. And we should do that <laughs> at a certain point. Yeah. Of course, you have to work with the mind too. I mean, it's hard. So you know, again, I mean, the Maya body approach is like just ignore it. You know, and not the body. <laughs> Our approach is well. You know, let's work with it here, and it's 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 very powerful. So there's ways we can engage it otherwise, and and um, so forth. And bhakti has such variety of. Um, opportunities to engage the mind and the senses rather than just stop thinking, stop sensing, and so forth. But but there is some healthy aspect in the bhakti tradition of of ignoring. And as much as Mahaprabhu ignored the Maya bodies, we can invoke that kind of example in the meditation. Mahaprabhu ignored the sannyasis. I will ignore the philosophy of Mayavad. Or if I want to depict Mayavad as part of the calling of the world and it doesn't have any spiritual efficacy ultimately, and I can compare it to the call of the world, the call of the mind, and so forth as you're thinking of it. Does that more or less agrees with the way you're thinking about it? So it's nice to try to you know, look, and you have a tendency to do that, at the leelas and so forth, the narrative, as something I can meditate on that's, that has a practical application in my life for my spiritual progress. And this is was 
what Bhaktivinoda Thakur has done with, for example, the demons and Krishna Leela with regard to Anarthas and so forth. And so it's a very positive way of approaching the necessity of removing the negative influence, the attraction, attachment to Maya. That's part of liberation, right? To get rid of the negative, and then there's the positive. So we do it. If we can get rid of the negative through a positive approach, that's what we want to do in bhakti. So there are ways, that's an example of that thinking like that, of trying to look at the narratives, as I say, in such a way as I'll think of the narrative and we'll also I'll be attracted to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his devotees and at the same time it will make this point to me as well and give me strength. Hmm? So yes, we can draw great strength from how Mahaprabhu has conducted himself there and how Tapan Mishra has and Chandrasekhar. So, what's the time? Okay, we're going to wait. We stop there. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Shri Abhuti Tai Chand ki jai. Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhaktivinoda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.